From One World Trade Center, this is the Golf Digest Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Golf Digest Podcast. I'm Alex Myers, and today I'm excited to be joined by PGA Tour player Peter Malnati. And if you don't know Peter, he's a graduate of the University of Missouri, turned pro in 2009, uh, spent a few years bouncing around between uh, some of the mini tours, uh, the web.com tour, earned his PGA Tour card a couple years ago, but lost it, regained it with a strong season on the web.com tour, and now it looks like he's going to be up in the big leagues to stay following his first win at the Sanderson Farms Championship. So uh, without further ado, let me welcome in recent first-time PGA Tour winner, Peter Malnati. Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, man, thanks for having me, Alex. That sounds pretty good. I like hearing that. <laughs> I was going to start with that. I was wondering, has it sunk in yet? When you hear PGA Tour winner, what is that like, and, and maybe what's different for you since that happened? <laughs> i tell you what, so much is different. Um, it's it's crazy to me to, uh, you know, some of the conversations I've had in the last couple of weeks, especially with uh, my wife and with my, my caddy, have been about, you know, what's the schedule going to look like next year? What events are we going to skip? Which, as a kid playing in the web.com category, what events are you going to skip is not a conversation you expect to have because, um, <laughs> you know, it's all about what events am I going to get in? Like, I'm, you know, I'm certainly going to play every event that I get in. That's what we're thinking in that category. So now that I'm out of that category and into the, uh, you know, the winner category, um, and I'll have access to, you know, every you know, regular field event, um, man, it's that, that those have been, you know, obviously somewhat difficult conversations to have because I don't know what events I will want to skip, but what a great, great discussion to be having rather than worrying about getting into fields at all. Of course. Yeah, sure. I wonder, you know, that, that big check, is there anything that you kind of treated yourself or your wife to, uh, in the media afterwards or are you kind of holding on to that for now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, holding on to it for now. I think we, uh, I mean, one thing we, we both been fairly grounded for, for a long time. Um, and one thing that uh, I know we're excited about, um, we're actually going to meet with one of, one of my, one of my, a financial advisor to me, um, this week. And we're going to talk about maybe paying our house off, which would be, how cool would that be to be, yeah, yeah to, to to not have that debt that'd be really sweet. So that that's one thing that we're excited about. But uh, but no, I mean we haven't we haven't talked about it much. I mean we're definitely um, I'm gonna try to uh, if it works out with with their schedule their work schedules I'm gonna try to you know trip my parents to a week in Maui um, for the tournament of champions, which is you know something I've never I've never been able to really I've had mm -hmm. enough I've uh, I've had a hard enough time you know, worrying about my own travel expenses. So it'll be something nice, right. it'll be something nice to, uh, to be able to do that for my parents. Hopefully it works out that they'll be able to go to Maui with us. Yeah. Well, yeah. Recent home buyer myself, that, that does sound pretty sweet to get that taken care of. <laughs> but, um, um, now you obviously in about a week span, you had just an incredible, uh, fortune with, of course you winning, <laughs> but your Kansas city Royals winning the world series. And I just, you know, I, I know you said on Twitter that you had some tears when the Royals won. I wonder, were you this emotional when you won your first PGA Tour title? Oh man, <laughs> you know, I, I, I definitely was. I, my wife, my wife, kind of pokes fun at me a little bit because, um, you know, I mean, I'm fortunate in my life. I've never, I've never experienced, you know, a huge, huge personal tragedy. You know, the loss of a close, close loved one or anything like that. But my wife teases me. She says. 
you never cry when you're sad. And, and she's right. I don't. I don't yeah. remember. Like I, I've been disappointed over the years with, you know, some heartbreak at Q school one year and, you know, think along that line. And I don't ever remember that kind of stuff moving me to tears. Like that doesn't move me to tears, but I am, I'm, I'm a real softy when it comes to, yeah, I mean, I cried, I cried at our wedding, <laughs> I cried at sappy movies. Um, and I just, I'm telling you, it was, it was such a thrill for me. Um, for both of us really, but a huge thrill for me to watch the Royals um, just battle and battle and scrape and claw and go from a team that was losing a hundred games a year yeah. when I started rooting for them to a team that, you know, defied the odds last year to make the world series run. And then a team that this year fought back. I mean, you know, how many games do you have to win to win the world series? 11, 11 post series or uh, post season games. They, they came from behind to win eight of 11 post season games. Yeah. And I mean, but anyway, when they clinched that game, I, I was I was overwhelmed with happiness. <laughs> that was so cool. But but yeah, I was, um, you know, I, I wouldn't. Uh, that was so sweet, and I'm glad I I'm glad I don't have to pick one over the other. I got them both. Right. Uh, but I would certainly I was certainly you know, the, the emotions that I felt with the win were greater and stronger than what I felt just being a fan of my Royals, but, but not by as much as you might think. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you, like you said, you've suffered through a lot of lean years with the Royals. Um, I wonder if you went back to when you were in college and if you said, what would be more likely to happen first, you winning on the PGA Tour or the Royals winning World Series? I wonder what you would have thought. You know, man, both of those felt like a dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy for me to see how my golf career – has uh has progressed and obviously i have no control over what's going on with the royals i'm a fan i root for them i you know i back in back in 06 7 when i decided that's going to be a big royals mm-hmm. fan i i i bought a hat that's about my sole contribution <laughs> to, to to the royals um um but i obviously have a, bit, a you know i feel i feel like i have a lot of control over what's going on in my golf game in my golf career but it's really cool to see how what was you know, once a dream, you know, winning on the PGA Tour and being successful here at the high level has, you know, it was once a dream. It kind of evolved into a goal. And now, you know, just recently it became a reality. And now it's pretty cool to see other things that were once a dream. You know, I, I mean, I, I've, I've dreamed since I was a kid of, you know, playing on a Ryder Cup team, winning a major championship. And, you know, those those dreams have now evolved into the, I would call those goals now. Those are realistic goals. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, playing in the fall. I know, obviously, the, the wraparound season isn't the most popular with a lot of the guys, but I assume for you, you love it. And I'm sure, of course, there was this recent stretch. Six out of the seven uh, fall tournaments were won by first-time winners. And um, I just wonder, you know, what do you think about the fall uh, series and how, you know, how much of an opportunity does it give guys to kind of get those breakthrough wins? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the, the structure of it with the wraparound schedule. I think that's great because I think, you know, it does give the veteran players, you know, I was paired this week with, with Zach Johnson the first two days, which was really cool for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he mentioned to me that, you know, if, if this if RSM classic wasn't, you know, in his hometown of, of Seattle and he wasn't such a big fan of Davis Love and everything that the tournament stands for, that he probably wouldn't play in the fall. You know, he would, he would like to use that as his off season. And, you know, as an experienced player with, who has been so successful and done so much, he has that. He, he can safely do that and can afford to do that. And so it still serves as an off season for, for a player who would want it to. 
Uh, for a guy like me, who you know, particularly before the win, is young, hungry, mm-hmm. ready to play, desperate to get into events. The fall series is is a great great opportunity. So um, you know, I think I think it's cool. I do know that it's not the most popular mm-hmm. with with a lot of the players, but uh, you know, for the guys who have played well and have themselves established on the PGA Tour, the fall series is still optional. Yeah, you're going to come out of it a little bit behind in the FedEx points, but you know, depending on how many events you want to play in the year anyway, you know, it still get like I said. I mean, with Zach, he he pretty much told me if if the RSM Classic wasn't in his hometown, he wasn't trying to support the sponsor and Davis Love, that he wouldn't play any in the fall. I'm sure he's not too worried about that when he starts up in, right. the, in the new yeah. year. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, it's kind of before that win, you you had an interesting thing happen to you this past year with that shot out of the water. I don't know if, <laughs> if people haven't seen it. It was kind of like uh, Bill Haas's shot at the Tour Championship, only despite your best attempt, you, you didn't quite pull it off, but your your reaction was so good. I was wondering... Uh, when that happened, did you think that that was going to go viral like that? Because that really did spread around. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was to see the video. It actually, you may, you may not think so. You may not believe me when I say this, but I'm glad that that was covered the way it was. I'm glad Golf <laughs> Channel was there. I'm glad there was some media there because that had a right. cool, cool memory for me. And and the way I handled it, I think, is a pretty good picture of my personality. I mean. I was shocked. I was definitely disappointed. But at the end of the day, it was funny. I mean, it was just funny. And um, I, I take my profession really, really seriously. Um, but if you can't laugh at that, like if that can't be funny, then I think, you know, obviously doing it, doing it for all the wrong reasons. And to me, that was really funny. So I, I'm not surprised it went viral because I think it was, I think if it had been somebody else and not me, I would have, uh, I would have. Well, actually, I enjoyed watching it, and it was me. I think I would have enjoyed watching it if it was somebody else, too. Yeah, I, mean, sure. I think it was just a funny situation. Definitely. Um, now, with your with your first win, you had, I don't know if you realize this, but it was it was almost, I think it was one of the best putting performances in the history of the, the Shotlink era, which goes about a decade. And I, I know that you are known as a great putter, so I was wondering what is uh, maybe the best putting tip you've ever received, or what is a great putting tip you could offer me because I'm slumping myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I'll, I'll answer them in the reverse order of what you asked. Um, the best putting tip I could give you would be to stop, stop working. Don't do your job and go practice because <laughs> I think that's, I think that is the single most important thing. Um, to me, putting, you know, there's certainly an element to it where you're know, having good sound, repeatable mechanics, helps it makes putting easier mm-hmm. but at the end of the day putting to me is all about feel it's about matching what your eyes see with what your body's doing to produce you know obviously getting the ball started in the line you want is important but it doesn't do you any good to start on the line you want if you can't hit it with proper speed you know it's all about feel and being able to match up you know what you see the ball doing and being just being able to make the ball do what you can you know visualize it doing while you're reading the putt and to me the only way to do that is to practice and the only mm-hmm. way to make the practice meaningful is to actually practice hitting putts the way you do on the course. I see so many guys, even at the highest level of golf, you know, practice with you know two, three, or four balls, and there's nothing wrong with that. Practicing with two or three or four balls, mm-hmm. but then I I see them just kind of slap, 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 go get them, and then slap them again. Like at least one out of the four, I like to you know get kind of crushed down and read it like I would on the course. So I'm seeing mm-hmm. a putt the same way I would on the course. And I think that's really important. That's uh, 
my caddy and I, we do we do a lot of drills in the week, and we we make it we make it about holding the putt or about you know hitting a putt with proper pace. So it's a putt where I'm 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 focused on trying to create the role that I see the ball needing follow to go end up in the hole or in a long putt, you know, at least somewhere near yeah. it. So I think that would be my one piece of advice would be practice, but don't just practice, practice well, practice in a way that will transfer to the yeah, course. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I remember seeing Jordan Spieth warming up before the Masters this year, and he, he seemed to be doing that. I mean, he, he was so intense on the practice screen. I remember thinking, wow, that, and of course he's a great putter. So yeah. that is great advice for everyone. And um, aside from being a great putter, though, you are a great writer. You have your own blog, and I encourage everyone to check it out. It's uh, Peter Malnati at blogspot.blogspot.com. And um, I just wondered, you know, how did how did that come about? How did you start doing that? Yeah, it's cool how it has evolved, actually, because um, when the blog started, it was simple. It was I graduated college. I had nine um, investors give me some money to support me to go play professionally. And the very first event I ever played was the Nebraska Open in Columbus, Nebraska. And I was, uh, I was after the first round, like texting all these investors. And, you know, some of them, I was calling a few of them too, because some of them are, are a little older and they weren't, you know, they weren't texters. Um, and I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so I, I hopped online and I found, you know, that through, through Google, you could do a, a free blog at Blogspot. And so I just created a blog, and uh, it was simple. I'd just go on there after a round and just write a, a two- or three-line paragraph. It was Twitter with a few more characters at that point is all right. it was. And um, as I was doing it, I found that rather than just saying, well, here's what I shot, here's how I felt, I'd say, you know, here's what I did, and these are things that I did really well. I want to keep doing that, but here's some things that I didn't do well, and I'd like to do those better. And the more I started writing that way, I got a little bit deeper, and I got even into some of the, you know, some of the, here are some positive thoughts I was having, here are some negative thoughts I was having, and, the more I, I wrote about that stuff, I found out the blog was as much for me as it was for the people who were reading it. And it was really, it was a good way, it was a powerful way for me to um, kind of internalize the, the lessons that I was learning as, yeah. as I worked my way up through the professional golf ranks. And um, I, I mean, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, right? I'm, I'm doing a little less of it now just as things are spiraling. I, I used to do an update after most every round. And now it's like one or two a week at most. Um but I still really enjoy it, and I think one of the, one of the words that I've used to describe my blog is it's cathartic for me. Like if I'm mm -hmm. struggling with something, if something's going on, and you know if my thoughts are are kind of spiraling in a bad direction or something, and I get that out on the blog, it doesn't even matter to me if anyone reads it. it it's very cathartic for me just to to spit it out and to get it out there. Um, I think it works almost in a way like a journal for me, and I just don't I just don't mm -hmm. mind it being public. And I I know there are people who do enjoy it, so. For me, it's just a it's just a journal, but it's I don't mind that it's public and people can see it. And in fact, I enjoy that that you know some people told me that it, it you know it has inspired them in ways, and I think that's really cool. So I keep it up, and uh, yeah, I really I've, been, I've enjoyed. Yeah, that. it's great. I mean, you you give insight to you know the life of a tour pro, and of course, you know for the people who only follow Ian Poulter on Instagram or something, it it's not all glamorous with flying <laughs> private and driving Ferraris and. So just, you know, what, what, what is it like when you're, you know, on the web.com tour, on the mini tours and, and you're, you know, you're struggling a little bit, you know, how do you kind of stay focused on and, and not give up on, on your goal? Yeah. I mean, I think 
you have to have goals in the first place, which is something that, uh, you know, I think I was always, I was always really good at. Um, I was always really good at having goals. And I don't think it's, I think it can be dangerous if you just have outcome goals. You just have like, well, I want to, I want to win and I want to make it to the PGA tour. Like as a, as a mini tour player, if that's your only goal is, well, I want to, I want to win and make some money and make it to the PGA tour. That's great. But then what, what, what helps you stick to it if you're not making progress towards that in the beginning? Um, so I've always been big on having goals and having a plan to reach those goals. Cause I think the plan, mm. the plan is the thing that yeah, even through the dark times, I could always say, you know what, I'm not getting the results I want right now. And that's frustrating, but I'm following my plan. And, you know, I know that I'm moving forward, even though the results don't show it, the, you know, maybe I'm having a, you know, I mean, there were times on the mini tours where I'm having a rough time financially, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm, time, sure. times are bleak. Um, and uh, so whether it was a rough time financially or just a frustrating time with my golf game, you know, my rookie year on the PGA Tour, I certainly I certainly wasn't making much money, but at least on the PGA Tour, you've got sponsors that are kicking in some, so you don't you feel like you can keep your head above water financially. Mm-hmm. But it was still a really dark time for me because I was just struggling, and I just didn't feel like I was good enough, and the results weren't coming. But I was still I was I was following my plan. I, I had a plan set out that I was some practice goals that I was you know working towards every week. Uh, I was following a fitness plan. I'm like, you know, I'm still on the right track, even though we're not getting results. I'm still on the right track. And when, you know, when my rookie year ended and I wasn't able to keep my card or get it back through the web finals, um, I really looked at my plan and I sort of revamped it a little bit, added added a new element to it with uh, with a new instructor to help me. And I still, I've always felt like just having a plan, seeing to it has been has been a big key. So even when times do get a little dark and things seem a little weak. Um, I've always tried to uh, to just get my plan back. You know, I'm still on track. I'm still on track, and and I felt like I have. Was there a particular low point where maybe even you thought, I don't know if I'm going to have a career in golf? Was there ever? Did it ever get that bleak for you, or or, or no? It you know it didn't it didn't ever get to where I would, that was imminent for me. But I mm-hmm. did say. Um, you know, I had a lot of success. I, I I got better every year that I was playing mini tours. So in 2010, my first full year out of college, I mean, I barely ba- barely would say I probably was at a dead break even point mm-hmm. financially. Mm-hmm. You know, I made I made what I spent, but I'm living rent free with my parents. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, definitely no good. But but I was a, then then in 2011, I got better, made a little money, won an event on a mini tour. Same deal in 2012, got a little better, made made more money. One one another event, a bigger event on me tour is great, um, but all those times I get to Q school and just kind of peter out second stage. One year I didn't make it past first stage. I don't remember one of those years I didn't make it past first stage, but I I never uh, made it to the final stage of Q school. And then my my now wife and I got engaged the New Year's Eve in 2012, so basically right before the start of 2013. And I kind of told her, and I wasn't I wasn't really ready to to you know, put an ultimatum on myself necessarily. But I told her, I said, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is something of a make or break year for me. I, I really, I want to get it this year. I mm-hmm. really do. I, I feel like my game's good. And so, yeah, and to the, at the start of 2013 is when I really, um, I felt like I needed to make something happen. And um, that was, you know, that was kind of cool. I responded well to that. I, I went out and played and I told her I was going to play and play and play and play. And uh, so I played, Mini tour events almost every week throughout spring, and I was flying, flying, and driving to do Monday qualifiers. And that was the year that I, I kind of broke through as a Monday qualifier onto the Web.com tour and strung together some top 25 finishes in the summer, and then won an event 
in August that year and ended up getting my tour card. And so I wouldn't really, I wouldn't say I was ever at a super low point where, you know, you, you mm-hmm. kind of hear stories of the guys, you know, living in the van and selling their shoes and all that stuff. And <laughs> I, I'm fortunate because I can believe that. I can believe that reality. Um, but I, right. I didn't, I didn't ever have to live that. Um, but yeah, I was definitely ready to not be playing mini tours anymore by the time 2013 yeah. got, got there. Cause I was, I was looking at getting married and, uh, I was still really enjoying living rent free my parents, but I knew <laughs> I knew that was that was going to have to end. So yeah. uh, that was what I told myself heading into thirteen. It wasn't by any means that I was in a low point, but I was certainly putting a little bit of pressure on myself in a in a positive way. Just let's 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 do it this year. Let's really get after it, and and I did. Well, of course, it helps to have a, a supportive wife, and uh, your wife Felicia, I understand, was on the bag for you this year uh, for your second web dot com <laughs> tour win. Well, you know what was that like, and are, are we going to see? Any of her on the bag for you on, on the PGA tour? You know, she is a capable caddy. It it is really <laughs> cool. It, she she's a stud she's a stud athlete. Um you wouldn't guess it. She's she's pretty tall and lean, but she was a she was an all big twelve gymnast at the University of Missouri. Wow. Um so she's very, very athletic. Um she doesn't know a thing about golf, which actually to be honest, made her a great caddy for me. She <laughs> She carried the she carried the bag, and she has uh, a master's degree and a PhD, both um, in they're both in, in education, but wow. with an emphasis in uh, in psychology. Okay. Um, and so she actually she was so she was really valuable to me as a caddy. She caddied for me for 15, 16 events this year on the Web.com tour. Oh wow. And, um, she uh, yeah she was she was really helpful, and so we certainly we, we never envisioned her. Um, being being full time caddy again, mm-hmm. um, like she became this year. But she uh, because she does have her PhD, she works from the road. She teaches a couple of online courses and travels with me. And so I always I always joke with uh, with my caddy. I'm like, you know, you got the most pressure of any caddy out here because if you screw up, I mean, at any moment you can you can be fired. There's a capable replacement right there outside the ropes. So That's great, yeah. What um you mentioned playing with with Zach. Johnson this past week. I know you were played with Mac, uh, paired with Matt Kuchar the week before. Since you've won now, obviously you're kind of starting to get into those featured pairings. I wonder, you know, how exciting is that for you? And and are are there any players in particular that you're kind of hoping to get paired with in the coming year? Yeah, it's it's such a big change because you know, I mean, I've like played 18 events my rookie year on tour, and you know, for every single one of those, I mean, I never teed off on Thursday or Friday before the third last group of a wave. I'm always back there. And that's not a problem. I mean, that's how it should be. It's it's, it's appropriate the way they do the tee times. There's nothing unfair about mm-hmm. it. It's how it should be. But it is such a cool perk. And it just, it, it, it's a little, just a little boost of confidence, you know, it, that, you know, obviously we should feel confident just on our own, our own merits and the work we do. But it's just a little boost of confidence to to now have the tee times that are kind of, you know, more in the preferred time range and, and with the players um, that, you know, I, I've watched on TV for, for the last last several years. And, you know, for me, my, my guy, though, my guy that uh, I've talked about, I've talked about a good bit, a guy that I I see I see his game as a role model and just from the little bit that I know about him, I see, you know, his, his personality as, as something to be a bit of a role model too is Zach Johnson. It was cool for me to get paired mm. with him. Um the way he plays is pretty inspirational for me because he definitely he doesn't personify the modern game. You know, he's not a bomber, but he doesn't try to be. And I think that's what's so important is I remember my rookie year having the thoughts in my head, like, I have to hit it. You know, I'm never going to hit it really far, but I have to hit it a little farther and I have to hit it a little higher. I've got to do those things. And then you watch Zach, you know, Zach's at best a medium trajectory draw with his irons. It's certainly not high. 
And he's certainly not long fatigue, but he is not scared of anybody. He just goes out and he does what he does and he does it really well. And he knows that if he plays to his strengths, he's going to be successful. And I think that's so cool because I, I, I found myself my rookie year trying to play to other people's strengths, like trying to play the game that other people play that works for them. And I'm not going to do that the time around. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm working really hard to become a better and more consistent ball striker, but I'm not worried about hitting it mm-hmm. higher, farther, those things. I'm worried about just being more consistently, more consistent at doing things that I do, which is hitting the ball squarely, being in control of it, being able to work it both ways when I need to, and just being spot on accurate with my short irons and wedges and being you know, obviously a great part. So those are the things that, those are the things that are going to let me beat people. And that's what I'm going to focus on. That's what I'm going to sure. do. And, and, you know, on your blog, you've talked about your goals on your blog. You were very specific about some of your goals for this year. And you wanted to make the FedEx cup playoffs, which I think is a lock. Now you wanted to win a PGA tour event, which you already did. And you wanted to qualify for the tour championship. I wonder now that you've already kind of checked off two of those. Do, do your goals change now for for the season, or, or are they kind of the same? I know I know you didn't get into the Masters with that. Is maybe that one of your goals, or one thing that my 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 mental coach and I have talked a little bit about is he he saw the same post that you're looking at that that talks about those goals. He he kind of had a recommendation for me. He was like, you know what? He said those goals are great. They're very they're attainable. They're measurable. Is there everything the good outcome goal should be? So I think they're great. He goes, I'm going to recommend that you either put them in your sock drawer or just erase them all together because you know what? Those are obvious. You know you want to play well. You know you want to keep your card. You know you want to win. You know you'd like to make the tour championship. Like, those are all obvious. He goes, I'm going to suggest that why don't we focus on the process, the plan that's going to help you achieve those and just let those things take care of themselves. So that's pretty good thinking. That's something that I'm trying to do. It's just focus more on the process and less on, on the outcomes. But I, I like to have big, big picture goals, things to just kind of keep in the back of my mind to motivate me. I, I love to practice. I never really need extra motivation, mm-hmm. but I love to have big picture goals, like big ideas to keep me motivated on maybe a day when I, when I'm thinking about doing something the easy way instead of doing it the throwaway. I like having big picture goals in my mind to keep me kind of focused on it. And so a couple of things that are really on my mind now are getting into the masters that you, you nailed with that. I really got my eyes kind of set on a lot of, a lot of the, you know, you look at the top players in the world and they push their schedule around being prime peak for the majors. Well, my goal at this point, I, I want to play all four majors. I haven't done that. I've never played any of them. Yet. So I'd like to play all four wow. majors. That's yeah. kind of a thought that I have in mind for this year is to play all four majors, which obviously I, I need to have some really good play. Uh, moving forward to make that happen. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not certain. I think I, I might have to, another win might be the only way I could get into the Masters. I'm not sure if it is even a, a current year's like FedEx Cup or, or my list thing that would get me into the Masters. Probably world ranking. Maybe. I know I have to play really well if I'm going to do that. But that's kind of a big picture goal for me is to, to get into the Masters and, and the other three majors. Um, I don't really know. I've not looked into the point system and I really don't care. I know that I just need play well and play obviously very, very well. So he hasn't missed a full year of I think collecting points I've wanted since I was, you know, since I first started taking golf seriously late in my high school years, I've wanted to, to play on international competition teams, you know, Ryder Cup, President's Cup teams. And I know you know, now that I have one on the PGA tour and I know I can do it. Um, I feel like that's a very realistic goal. So that's something that, that motivates me. And I know it's a, you know, it's a Ryder Cup year next year. Um, I know it'll take a really special, special year for me to, to even be in the talk for that team. But I don't think that's out of the question. And that's um, that's something that, that is really motivating me. 
Great. Well, well, Peter, thanks so much for taking the time and uh, enjoy your rare time off on the PGA Tour. And uh, hopefully both you and your Royals can carry the momentum into next year. Hey, I love the sense of that, Alex. That'd be great. <laughs> thanks again to Peter Malnati for joining us on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast. And thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check back next week to see who our guest is. And in the meantime, please subscribe to us on iTunes.